second reading is from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2. The words are printed, the passage is printed in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Let's pray. Holy God, we love you, we love you, we love you. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us um, as you did um, on that day when you came in a mighty, mighty, powerful way. So, Lord, speak in, and, and speak deep into our hearts this day. We love you, God. We pray these things in your name. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout women and men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in their own language. And they were amazed and wondered, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered, and they said, they are filled with new wine. There's a place for us, somewhere a place for us, Peace and quiet and open air waits for us somewhere. There's a time for us, someday a time for us, Time to gather with time to spare, time to learn, time to care. Someday, somewhere, we'll find a new way of living. We'll find a way of forgiving somewhere. There's a A time and place for us. Hold my hand and we're halfway there. Hold my hand and I'll take you there. Somehow, someday, somewhere. Happy birthday, church. I would have sung happy birthday to you except it's a very bad piece of music. 
in the midst of the Jewish feast festival of weeks, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, pours down and the world will never be the same. Suddenly, in an instant, the people gathered together, that Pentecost, were transported somewhere else, a place none of them or us has ever seen or been to before. And when the Spirit of God shows up to the party, she doesn't just come empty-handed. No way. The Holy Spirit is our birthday present, and she brings a ton of gifts with her, all amazing and powerful and essential for the church to be a place of healing and restoration. I have a question. What was one of the best birthday presents you've ever received? Tell me. A cat. Guitar. Judy Collins tickets. That was a good one. What else? Time with children. Your children. Pool party. Amen. Ooh, ooh, I like that one. Foot massager. That was mine. A puppy, yeah. Puppies has puppies got to be up high, yeah. New cat. Great and memorable birthday gifts are oftentimes given to us by someone we love, and when we and when we receive it, we know what we are being given. We may have had, we may have even hinted a little bit about what we'd like to get, right? There is an expectation at some level when we do make requests and or someone has told us what is coming our way. Early on, Jesus gives big hints about our birthday gift. If you love me, Jesus says, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter to be with you forever. So cool. What a perfect gift. The issue I have in reading this passage and my own personal experience is that comfort is not the first word that comes to mind when I think of the Spirit of God. I mean, we've all received the present where it says in fine print, some assembly required. (laughs) Yeah, right. We open the box and there is nothing that even resembles the picture on the lid. It is just so much chaos, right? Oh, and then, and then they give you these instructions on how to put it all together that might as well be in as many foreign tongues as we heard at that first birthday party in Jerusalem. God, we really appreciate you giving us the church such a nice gift, but we were hoping for something that might help us run our church a little more efficiently and productively, something already assembled, something we can get our arms around so that we can get our hands and feet going in the right direction. Your gift, the Holy Spirit, brings chaos. We already have way too much of that in our lives. And all these gifts of the Spirit that you brought to hand out to us, um, prophecy? Signs and wonders, heavenly tongues. What are we supposed to do with all this? It's only making it harder to get organized around here. 
and I have every and everyone singing off the same page, how are we going to be the light of the world if we can't get it together? Amen. I think. <laughs> Amen. I think we make I think we make a big mistake of thinking of the comforter like one that is made of white goose down. The comfort that Jesus speaks of and is the breath of God is powerful comfort, revolutionary comfort, comfort that brings life. And every good pastor, as Jeff has said, and teacher and parent knows that there is absolutely no growth without chaos. Chaos is the place where creativity and a new way of living and love are allowed to take root and flourish. We don't like it, but the Spirit's bluster is the only way we start to truly thrive and build God's kingdom here on earth. In the summer of 1989, I was asked to be the evening keynote speaker for a young adult camp at Ponderosa, which is one of the campground facilities at Mount Hermon in the Santa Cruz Mountains. I can no longer remember what the theme of the conference was back then. It probably was something like dis discovering God's will for your life or being a Christian in a non-Christian environment. But I do remember the people that were there, some of whom I still have close connections with to this day. I also remember dutifully preparing four solid talks, one for each night as well as discussion questions that were connected to the message for use in their small group during the week-long conference. I was having a great week speaking, and everything was going just fine until, until the Holy Spirit taps me on the shoulder and says, can we talk? Not now, God. I've got to focus on my presentations. Yes, that's what I'd like to talk to you about, Melvin. I think we need to change your message. Change my message? Are you out of your mind? I can't change them now. I've already worked on these and the questions to go with them. But God was insistent. She kept stirring me up and blowing inside me so much, I ran into the middle of the playing field and started arguing and fighting with a blustery wind. Because not only did she want me to change my message, she wanted me to share stuff in my life I had no intention of revealing to anyone, let alone a bunch of young professionals. In the end, after a long, long siege, I, I conceded begrudgingly and changed my talk for the evening. The evening session began with a little time of praise music and prayer, and then it was my turn to get up and speak. I grabbed my notes that I had frantically worked on that afternoon, walked up on the platform and placed them on a music stand. A few minutes into my message, I began to get very, very warm, almost hot, but it wasn't the feeling of perspiration, but something deeper inside me, something emanating that came from within and then went through my body and out into the room. A dear friend that was there at the conference said that he saw a light above my head while I was speaking that rose to the top of the ceiling 
and then fill the entire space. And in the midst of this chaotic cosmic light show, I hear the voice of God speaking to me. Melvin, forget the notes, just talk. What? Forget the notes. I spent all afternoon writing them because you told me to change my message. And now you say, don't use my notes. Yep. Trust me and just talk. I turned over my paper and just started talking. The room and I got warmer and warmer, and I felt the presence of the holy in a way that I have never felt in my life. Till this day, I don't remember most of what I shared that night, but I do remember faces looking at me in wonder. And I remember crying, of course, and my voice getting louder and louder to the point where even I was uncomfortable. And finally, I cried out in a loud, pleading voice, the only words I remember speaking that night. People are dying! Can't you see? That night's magical experience of the church of somewhere else was one of the first and most profound expressions of the gift of prophecy, which is simply that of speaking God's truth and love and healing for a specific group of people. That night, a number of our dear sisters and brothers dedicated their lives to God and many to a calling to professional ministry, both in the local church and in missions. Out of the night of divine chaos, the Holy Spirit stirred up our passion and lit the fire that we so desperately needed then and now more than ever. Amen? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men and women will see visions, and your old women and men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Happy birthday, church. The gift of the Spirit is here blowing like a hurricane so that we will let go of the comfortable things because lives are at stake. Amen? The church of Jesus Christ is not supposed to be practical or relevant or user-friendly. We are beyond all that. We are out of this world, thank God, because that is the only way to thriving and being who and what God has designed us to be. From the beginning of time, people are dying. Can't you see? We need, we desperately need a new way of living, a revolutionary way of forgiving that the world has never seen before. And FYI, 
It will be chaotic. So what? Who cares? Welcome chaos. Welcome creativity. Welcome diversity. Welcome suffering. Welcome compassion. We'll find a new way of living. We'll find a way of forgiving somewhere. There's a place for us. Somewhere a place for us. Hold my hand and we're halfway there. Hold my hand and I'll take you there. Somehow, someday, somewhere. Holy Spirit, blow through your people and stir our hearts. Give us courage to believe in the power of your love that is chaotic and creative. Help us to trust you for everything as we let go of all that is in order to build a place of powerful comfort. Give us wisdom that transcends all that we can possibly imagine and help us to take the risk and step out into the unknown land of divine love and hope and laughter. People are dying. God, and we do see, we see you at work and at play, blowing through the people and places that are broken and hurting and suffering. Teach us, O oh God, to live and thrive in your divine chaos, so that the people we, we will know that they are loved and celebrated at the greatest birthday party ever. We love you, God. We love being the church of somewhere else. Obliterate anything that would keep us from allowing your playful spirit to design a new wineskin for your dear and beloved children. For the sake of the children, for the sake of those that need healing and hope and laughter, we offer this prayer and our lives in the name of the chaotic lover of our soul. Amen.